After 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Oh, uh-huh. 
ישמחו, ישמחו ומלך וסחו. שוימרי שעמוס וכוירי
In the AM. Good morning and welcome to 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, 91.9 FM in Rockland County and around the world in the web. It's jmintheam.org. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining us Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Crazy Friday. A crazy Friday. I mean, I've been, I've been late here to JM in the AM, as anybody here could tell you, uh, you know, as the expression goes, a million times. But today was one of those, um, they closed the Holland Tunnel days. They literally closed the Holland Tunnel. I got to the Holland Tunnel this morning, I believe, because I try to pay attention to the clock when these things happen. I believe it was 5.34 maybe. Does that make sense? I think it was 5.34. And the only good thing is I was one of the first cars not allowed in. <laughs> you know, you hate, you hate being the, uh, you hate being the 5,000th car not allowed in. Um, so I was one of the first just waiting for them to reopen and at about five minutes to, uh, to 6 a.m. they reopened. I don't know what had happened. Some accident or something. Anyway, thank you, Samantha, who got us started at the top of the hour. I appreciate that. Eighth day with Kol Ha'olam Kulo. You heard Ari Goldwag with Kel Adon. Adon alum done by David Dardashti. Eitan Katz and Bowie Vishalom. Kenta Yitzchak Mayor Health got next Saturday night. He's got one more week of vacation like all the great Chazanim. He has one more week of vacation. Although I don't know if this is vacation anymore for the Chazanim. They're probably all practicing, getting ready for the high holiday season. So next week is Slichus. You heard him from Eternal Echoes with Yismachu. Yaakov Shweki with Kamu Vaneha, one of our favorite Arab Shabbos selections of recent past. The Willig family with Ilu Finu off of Leiv Avos. And you heard Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Friday at 19 minutes before 7 o'clock on this September the 12th, day 17. In the month of Elul, the year 5774, Tufshin Ayin Dalid, Tzarev Shabbos Kisavo, with candle lighting time. Oh, we didn't, uh, we didn't determine candle lighting time yet. You know, we have two calendars here, um, in our studio. And for some reason, as we get later and later in the year 5774, and I don't know why this, why this is later and later now, as opposed to earlier in the year, uh, the two calendars are have such a discrepancy. 
when it comes to candle lighting. There's a four-minute difference in these two calendars. So we have to sort of call an audible, an audible rather, and we're going to call it for 651. So candle lighting time here is 651 on this Erev Shabbos, 651. Uh, your candle lighting time on this uh, era of Shabbos. Candle lighting time in Jerusalem before sunset. If we could announce candle lighting time in Jerusalem so people would know till when they can call. I mean, this is an interesting, innovative idea after all these years. Should we announce candle lighting time in Jerusalem, not just for Jerusalemites, but so people will know till when they can call their friends and relatives in Jerusalem? I have to think about it. Uh, I, w- I will tell you that candle lighting time for today in Jerusalem is 11.09 Eastern Time, meaning when it becomes 11.09 this morning here in the New York, New Jersey area, that's when they're going to be lighting candles in Jerusalem. So for this week, we did it. Should we do it permanently? I don't know. have to think about that. But again, candle lighting in this area, 6.51 on this era of Shabbos. Right now, 63 degrees outside. Looks like mostly sunny weather today with a uh, high temperature of 77. Clear tonight with a... Uh, with, with a high of 77, clear tonight with a low of 60. And um, uh, tomorrow the forecast in this area for Shabbos Day, it's looking like afternoon showers with a high temperature of 71 degrees. That's the uh, story right now. Weather-wise, 63 here in Jersey City. What was the weather in Jerusalem, or what is the temperature in Jerusalem? Let's find that out quickly, huh? Let's see what's happening in the Holy Land on this era of Shabbos. 86, the official temperature in Yerushalayim. Amazing programming all day long on our stream. Right after JM in the AM, Naomi Nachman has the Table for Two program, one of the most popular programs that uh, we produce. It really, it really is an amazing show every week. She has uh, great guests. We'll give you the details on that coming up. Uh, so Naomi Nachman will be on at 9. At 10 o'clock, uh, courtesy of our friends at Kedem, we have the most amazing Erev Shabbos music mix that goes all day long, all the way until 6.51 candle lighting time. So make sure to be tuned in on our stream uh, at NachumSiegel.com, jmnam.org. You have the NSN app. That's right, you can install the NSN Nachum Siegel Network app on your phone, Android or iPhone. You can comment on the home screen of the app. Tell us whatever you need to tell us during the show. A whole bunch of great stuff. One hour from now, it'll be Malcolm Honline. Malcolm Honline will join us. We will uh, do the weekly update and uh, discuss all the uh, interesting things going on in this world of ours. And there are a lot of interesting things, that's for sure. Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us one hour from now here at JM in the AM. On uh, Thursday... A week from yesterday, this coming Thursday morning, we get to uh, head to Bergen County and enjoy an amazing pre-Rosh Hashanah New Year's celebration. We'll be based at the Cedar Market on Cedar Lane. We hope that everybody comes on out and says hi. There will be some uh, free giveaways that I can guarantee you. Our friends at the Cedar Market would not let the, the day go by without some uh, nice giveaways for the listeners, for the people who stop by. And the big news, of course, is that Simcha Liner is going to be joining us. Simcha Liner is going to be joining us, music provided by the Aaron Teitelbaum Orchestra, and I thank Aaron and his uh, wonderful staff. Simcha Liner, our special guest, live music 
on Thursday morning from Cedar Market, our pre-Rosh Hashanah New Year's celebration coming up. I hope you'll have a chance to be there. By the way, this is speaking of brand new and performances and everything else, Yitzi Bold is out with a brand new CD coming up on, uh, I believe today. I believe it's actually hitting the market today. And, um, yeah, I think it's today, if I'm not mistaken. And everybody out there who loves his material, you'll want to know that he is scheduled. He's scheduled right now to be here on Tuesday morning. We're trying to move it to Monday. So it is very possible that Yitzi Bold will be in this studio Monday morning at JM in the AM to debut uh, the brand new New York Boys Choir, or NYBC, I should say. Um, so as soon as we know, we'll certainly announce it. Pay careful attention to our Facebook update page and simply entitled Nachum Siegel Network, our Twitter feed at Nachum Siegel Net. And again, the uh, moment that the New York Boys Choir, the sequel, is uh, going to be debuted on this radio station, which will be next week, when we know, the moment we know, Exactly what day it is, we'll pass it along to. It'll be either Monday or a Tuesday with Yitzi Bold in studio right here at JM in the AM. All right, I mentioned Simcha Liner. He's joining us Thursday for our New Year's celebration. Here he is at JM in the AM.
J.M. and the A.M. is a CD we introduced to you yesterday. Zmirot Me'abayit, Moshe Yitzchak Margalit, uh, with the great Zmirot selections here at J.M. and the A.M. That was the uh, Tzor Mishalot, right? That was the Tzor Mishalot here at uh, J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, September the 12th, the 17th of Elul, you heard the Hebron selection done by Mordechai ben David. Simcha Liner with Hamelech. A reminder, Simcha Liner is going to be with us on Thursday morning. He will be doing live music. It should be a lot of fun. He'll be doing live, live musical selections from Cedar Market in celebration with us of the upcoming brand new year. How do you like that? Should be, uh, should be a lot of fun. Naomi Nachman is coming up with Table for Two. That's happening this, uh, this morning starting at 9 a.m. And then all day long, an amazing Jewish music mix of Erev Shabbos selections on our stream at jmtheam.org. Make sure you're tuned in for that. 63 degrees, mostly sunny, and a high temperature of 77. Clear skies tonight, a low of 60, and tomorrow afternoon showers and a high of 71 degrees. Yerushalayim's at 86, 63 here in Jersey City. As we say good morning at JM and the AM, we're calling candlelighting officially for 651. 651 officially your candle lighting time. I want to remind you, we have amazing programming on our stream all through the weekend. Saturday Night Seagull with Avrami begins at 10 p.m. tomorrow night. You'll hear it on jmandtheam.org. And then Matis continues to do an amazing JM Sunday. Matis has some great things planned for this week. He's already into his Rosh Hashanah mode, but seriously, it's a Rosh Hashanah mode. Like, you know, I don't want to give away any secrets, but he's got, he's got some good guests talking about some fun Rosh Hashanah uh, material coming up on Sunday. Uh, starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time all the way until 9 o'clock. We have a JM in the AM on Sunday. We call it JM Sunday with Matis Weingast. Make sure you're tuned in. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Around the world in the web, JM in the AM dot O-R-G. Galitzal in the background, news from Israel coming up. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday follows next. We say Boker Tov from JM in the AM. Galitzal, Hashash Time, Kanehut Graf, in Mashekorea Shav. Nesiam Dinaru Ven Rivlin, Mityaches Lirgun Daesh, Veomer, Aolam Tsarichlit Ahed, Kdelehavek Bateror. Katavenu Kobi Mandel, Mevimit Varav, Bairua Bishvil Habanima Druzin, Bamukraka. Amavat Bakota Raim Alalu, Bitmutam Sheltash, Medomav, Eneno Mavat Pasut, Yestanu Akrayut Latsorotam, Yestanu Akovala Tsorotam, Veteran Yemukhav. בעניין זה לא רק ישראל ערבים זה לזה, בעניין זה העולם כולו ערב זה לזה. ואנחנו מקווים שההתגייסות המשותפת תבלום את הסיוט ותבהיר לכולם שלטרור אין עתיד. בכפר קרע צעיר כבן 20 נהרג ואדם נוסף כבן 30 נפצע קשה לאחר שאלמוני ירה לעבר השניים. כתבתנו הדס שטייף מוסרת שצוות מגן דוד אדום פינה את הפצוע לבית החולים הלל יפה בחדרה. 
הרב אליעזר ברלנד מובא כעת בפני שופט בהולנד אשר ידון בהסגרתו לישראל. עורך הדין שרון נהרי, המייצג את הרב, אומר לכתבנו אוריה אלקיים, אנו נילחם נגד ההסגרה. הרב מכחיש את ההאשמות. הרב ברלנד מרגיש טוב, אנחנו מאמינים שבית המשפט ישמע את הטענות שלנו אחרי שנלמד את החומר ויקבל אותן. חשוב להזכיר שהוא מכחיש את החשדות שיוחסו לו, וברצוננו להדגיש גם שהוא לא ברח מישראל. הדברים הם מורכבים ורגשיים מאוד, ואנחנו נסביר את זה בבוא היום למי שנצטרך להסביר כשנשאל על כך. הרב ברלנד, מנהיג קהילת שובו בנים, נעצר אתמול בעקבות חשדות המיוחסים לו כאן בישראל, לפיהם הטריד מינית נשים שהגיעו להתייעץ עמו. יושבת ראש מפלגת העבודה לשעבר, חברת הכנסת שלי יחימוביץ', חושפת פרטים חדשים לטענתה על נסיבות פרישתו של האלוף במילואים אורי שגיא מהתמודדות על מקום ברשימת המפלגה. שגיא טוען שמדובר בשקרים מוחלטים. עם הפרטים כתבנו יותם ברגר. בגיון להארץ טוען שגיא שהאשמתו בהטרדה מינית בעבר, שעל רקע פרסומה בתקשורת פרש מהתמודדות על מקום ברשימת מפלגת העבודה, הייתה רכילות שקרית והטחת רפש לא מבוססת. אבל בסטטוס שהעלתה יחימוביץ' לפייסבוק, טענה כי בכירה במשק אמרה שגיא אנס אותה כשהייתה חיילת, וכי שגיא פרש מהמפלגה לאחר שהומת עם העדות הזו. שגיא הגיב לדברים וקבע שיחימוביץ' משקרת. יחימוביץ' מעולם לא הציגה בפניה את הפרטים שהועלו בפניה, ואם יש ברשותה חומרים שתיגש למשטרה. יש גוף מחוקק, גוף חוקר וגוף מבצע, ויחימוביץ' מנסה להיות כולם. כמו כן אומר שגיא, יחימוביץ' לא גילתה גילוי נאות על הקשר בינה ובין המתלוננת. האצן קטוע הרגליים אוסקר פיסטוריוס הורשע בהריגת בת זוגו, הדוגמנית ריבה סטינקאמפ. אחרי שבית המשפט בפרטוריה זיכה אמש את פיסטוריוס מאשמת רצח בכוונה תחילה, היום הבהירה השופטת שהוא פעל ברשלנות עם נשקו. כתבתנו נועם דהן מוסרת שכעת עונשו של האצן יכול להגיע עד 15 שנות מאסר. התחזית לסוף השבוע ללא שינוי בטמפרטורות. אלה החדשות שעורכת חן פישר. Oh, 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 oh,
Nice Erev Shabbos selection from Shlaimi Toysig, simply entitled Shabbos. Uh, Leif Tahar before that with uh, Ma Yona here at JM. The news from Israel was at the top of the hour. If you want to see some of the news items that are uh, coming out of Israel, you can check out our Nahum Siegel Network Facebook update page. We have a um, an array of articles that are that have links posted. Excuse me, they have links posted there, uh, including one on uh, including one on um, the prime ministers of Israel, prime minister of Israel's speech at the anti-terrorism conference, uh, including one on a leaked letter suggesting that the PA is stalling its ICC membership. And a um, whole bunch of other things. So you want to check that out. That's on the Nahum Siegel Network Facebook update page. You could like that page and be up to date on what's going on. Uh, don't forget, we have amazing programming all weekend. Avrami hosts Saturday Night Siegel tomorrow night at, uh, 9 p- at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. And Matis has JM Sunday this coming Sunday between 7 and 9 a.m. So JM in the a.m. essentially is a six-day-a-week program. I thank Matis. 7 until 9 is when you'll hear JM Sunday on our stream. 
at jmtheam.org. Erev Shabbos, Parshas Kisavo, with candle lighting at 6.51. This is the first of the final two Shabbatot of the year, believe it or not. Yeah. Rosh Hashanah comes up a week from Wednesday night. Slichus for the Ashkenazi community is next Saturday night. Our Sephardic friends, of course, have been saying Slichot for a while, the entire month of Elul. And um, we are fast approaching the brand new year of 5775. Uh, early next week, not sure yet if it's going to be Monday or Tuesday, but early next week, Yitzi Bold's going to be in studio. We're going to debut the brand new NYBC um, CD. It's called The Sequel. And we'll have that for you coming up here at JM in the AM. On the Thursday of next week, that'll be our big Rosh Hashanah celebration happening on Cedar Lane at Cedar Market in Teaneck, New Jersey. Simcha Liner, with music courtesy of the Iron Teitelbaum Orchestra, is going to be our special guest performer. We'll have a live music day in addition to being on the road on Thursday for a pre-Rosh Hashanah New Year's celebration right here at JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. Barry Weber did one off of his um, Vaharev CD entitled Hine. That's from the brand new Ben Melech CD. Vishamru, or Vishamri as he says. 25 minutes after 7 o'clock. Good morning. It's J.M. in the A.M. on this Friday. Getting ready for Shabbos. On this Erev Shabbos, Parshas Kisavo. Coming up at 9 o'clock, right after J.M. in the A.M., Naomi Nachman is going to be hosting Table for Two. Jamie Geller is among her guests, publisher of Joy of Kosher. Uh, Schiffer Klein, rather. Publisher of Joy of Kosher with Jamie Geller, Schiffer Klein, is going to be her guest. I heard that uh, literally a that burn gel was included in the uh, Joy of Kosher magazine this week. That's what someone told me. I guess if, God forbid, somebody's uh, cooking up a storm and things go a little, uh, things go a drop wrong or in the wrong direction, I guess you'll be prepared. It's actually a good service, frankly. Uh, never know who may need it in a uh, in a kitchen emergency. 63 degrees, mostly sunny, and a high temperature of 77. After the Naomi Nachman table for two show, you're going to be hearing, hearing an amazing array of uh, great Erev Shabbos music selections on our stream at jmnam.org. Happens every single Friday. Always an amazing way to start off the... Uh, to start off your Shabbos, so uh, make sure to be tuned in. Elul Shofar blowing coming up. Malcolm Holmline with our weekly update. Rabbi Yudin coming up at 8.15 with the Torah portion of the week and much, much more. We go until 9 a.m. right here at JM in the AM.
Jesse Green and company, Shlaimy Cohen in there as well, with Kella Doan here at JM in the AM, a recent release, a single done by Jesse Green. We'll do our LL show for blowing. Uh, more music coming up. And, of course, Malcolm Holmline is going to join us, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents, as we discuss the uh, items of this week's news and the weekly update. Rabbi Yudin at 8.15 with Parshas Kisavo. Plenty of information coming up between now and 9 o'clock. We have the info on the community fair, the Israel Real Estate Show, a whole bunch of stuff going on this weekend. I'll let you know about all of that coming up at JM in the AM.
J.M. and the A.M. Friday morning on this Erev Shabbos, Parshas Kisavo, the first of the final two Shabbatot to 5774, believe it or not, as the year is rapidly coming to an end. The brand new year begins a week from Wednesday night. Our pre-Rosh Hashanah New Year's celebration will be Thursday, a week from yesterday, this coming Thursday at Cedar Market on Cedar Lane in Teaneck, New Jersey. Simcha Liner is going to be the special guest star. And I thank uh, Aaron Teitelbaum, the Aaron Teitelbaum Orchestra. They're going to be before, they're going to be providing the live music for that day, and uh, we appreciate that. And Simcha Liner, who I believe on Wednesday night has one of those weddings that's going to go until like one one thirty in the morning. That's what I'm told. He has still made a commitment to be with us Thursday morning, which I appreciate very much. Uh, that was Benny Friedman, uh, Hine Hine, off of the Sheer Double Album. Mayor Solomon before that with Adon Alum from the CD entitled Me Mizrach. I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com who continue to enthusiastically recommend our incredible live stream to all their readers. And I thank everybody who's tuned in around the world, uh, especially those who are commenting on the NSN app. By the way, I saw the comments just now. We heard from both Jerusalemites and from others. The others said on the app comment section that we should announce candlelighting time in Jerusalem. The Jerusalemites said, yes, you can announce candlelighting time, but don't do it the way you're doing it by saying 1109, which is, of course, the time here. You have to say it for uh, Jerusalem uh, folks will know exactly when uh, when it is. So we have, we already have an argument about whether we should do it, so I guess we'll table it for now. Uh, so again, a thank you to JewishWorldView.com, and we uh, highly recommend them if you want to check out hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of articles and commentary about what's going on in this amazing world of ours. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update on this Friday. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Oh, good morning. Good Arab Shabbos. Rumor has it that the President of the United States is going to be in an Orthodox Jewish home this Arab Shabbos. That's the rumor. We had an event in an Orthodox Jewish home in Baltimore. And I want to know how that works. Like, what happens if he's late and it's time to go to shul? What happens? You've been in these situations. Oh, they will be in that situation. Uh, and the uh, we've seen it many times. So you prepare for all alternatives, which I know has been the case. But the event was moved up in order to finish uh, before Shabbos. It's a fundraiser for uh, some senators. And uh, the host is a very active uh, Jew, active in many uh, Orthodox and uh, general Jewish causes. Does the fact that it's Erev Shabbos in any way affect the menu? Do you get more the Shabbos-like items being served as opposed to if it was a Monday or Tuesday night? Yeah, I was told it's called chilling with the president, <laughs> but I don't know if we can verify. You see, these are the type of details I like. Forget about ISIS. This is what I want to know about. No, they're not serving any ISIS. <laughs> I want to know what's happening with the President of the United States in an Orthodox home on uh, on a Friday afternoon. Now, you you probably have a million Friday afternoon stories with Washington, right? You've probably been standing at a hundred meetings in your career where you said to yourself, could this thing end already? i got to either make this plane or, or get to where I need to, to go in terms of just starting Shabbos. I've had to walk out on many meetings over many years. Uh, in order to uh, to get home and, and or as you said to wherever for Shabbos, but uh, as a rule, I try not to go and, and and let the host know why it it would be very difficult. And I have to say that today, White House others are are much more sensitive to it and wouldn't make uh, a meeting unless an emergency on a Friday afternoon. All right, so the president knows that no one's sticking around after seven o'clock tonight. 
Oh, yes, he knows <laughs> that, uh, well, it's not only Orthodox people coming. Right, I understand. He has to get to shul with the host, I guess, uh, right. one time. All right, so you know I could discuss this all morning, right? I, I'm, yes, I'm <laughs> You're aware that I love all these details. Uh, all right, so here we go. Are you happy or not? And, of course, please explain with the response of the President of the United States to what's happening in the Middle East. Well, I don't think the speech had enough clarity in terms of uh, what he really intends to do and how far they will go. The the, mess, the, the key thing is how did, was it heard in the Middle East and, and how will it be implemented? And I don't think for our enemies in the Middle East it is uh, clear enough yet that it was an important step forward. It was an important uh, effort to build a coalition. And we see the mixed reactions where the Brits... Uh, first, the foreign minister said that they would not put planes on, then the Cameron said, well, that they would. Uh, I see that uh, Germany and others, France, they're all limiting what it is that they're willing to do. We have to see what the Arab countries, who yesterday committed to the process, will actually do. Will they put the boots on the ground? And as uh, someone said, when they keep saying there'll be no boots on the ground, they said they're going to wear flip-flops. <laughs> Because we're, we will have a thousand troops there, and we'll have to continue to augment that. There's talk of building an airport in Erbil to where will our planes land? Will they take off? Countries that are refusing the permission. Uh, I'm sure that this row, right. we see the growth of ISA officials was 30,000, others say 20,000, that they're in 32 countries, according to the Long War Journal, 11 European countries alone, let alone Canada, Australia, of course, the U.S. And the um, uh, you know the the uh, spread of these different groups that are affiliates of it and the collapse of the entire system. You know the president cited Yemen and Somalia as as examples, which is a little surprising because both countries are near collapse or in collapse, and and certainly where the extremists are on the ascendancy, it's a very these are very critical areas. And I think he was perhaps referring to the targeted strikes by drones as having been successful as one method of doing it. Uh, that's what I assume, because the, uh, I spoke to people in Sana'a, the capital of, of Yemen, this week, and they told me that uh, the Houthis, who are backed by Iran, I've discussed on the show before, uh, who, who were in the north of Yemen fighting Saudi Arabia. This was the proxy war between Iran and Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia often bombed the borders and got very little attention. Now they are demonstrating in the capital for the overthrow of the government. And on the other side, you have the tribal groups in Yemen. Yemen is a tribal society, aside from the north-south division. And they are our Muslim Brotherhood. So you could end up with a civil war between Muslim Brotherhood and, and Iran-backed forces, or you could have a division of the country. But remember, they control the straits. And I know this may be... Uh, seem like too much detail, yep. but the implication is so great. They control, control Babel Mandab. On the other side of the straits is Somalia. So having extremist Islamists on both sides could affect the shipping for a, a very significant part of oil, all, all the oil that comes out of the Persian Gulf. It just seems like it, it, it seems like there's too much. It seems like it's gotten to too many countries that the IS control is spreading so fast and so far. The numbers seem to be insurmountable compared to the old fashioned Al Qaeda numbers when it comes to the number of people that are involved. 
It, it just, it, 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 I don't know. Does the United States have enough firepower to fend this off? Well, we have enough firepower. The question is, who, who do we align with? You know, Iran and Syria are angry that they're not part of the coalition, yet at the same time say that if you strike in Syria, this will be a set of sparks that will engulf the region. Uh, that was what they said just uh, uh, yesterday again. Uh, you see how the radicalization, as you say, of, of increasing uh, segments, and even the Islamist groups, the jihadist groups, are becoming uh, more extreme following the example and the success, as it appears, of uh, IS, ISIS, ISIL. It's all the same group um, to, to recruit by virtue of the beheadings. So now in Sinai, they talk about beheadings. In Yemen, they talk about beheadings. In many other places, there seems to be a competition going on about uh, about this because they see that rather than creating a revulsion to to uh, w- what they are then it, it is creating more attraction uh, for for young people yeah but is my is my premise correct that the numbers are way beyond what it was just a few years ago it's way beyond where it was a year ago and it's way beyond where it was six months ago and and more and more of these groups are uh, are recruiting and also People feel that there, there are, are no real prices to pay. You know, we, the president cited the chemical weapons in Syria as a success, and yet the same day we get a report that chemical weapons, and particularly chlorine, were used against villages. The, the report, you know, ended in, in the fall, in the spring, so up to April, that they were still using again. And this was the Organization for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons, not a, a neutral group. Uh, and they said repeatedly and systematically using uh, chemical weapons. So all of the things that we talk about, I mean, there are just no limits. So one second. The president of Syria, for instance, is he? Is he's he's against ISIS, correct? The president of Syria is against ISIS. Okay, but aren't they aligned? Aren't they from the same religious background? Are they just, aren't they just more radicalized than he is? They are uh, far more radicalized, and, and there are common factors that come into play. With uh, uh, and so so they ended up also fighting Hezbollah and they fight and Iran is fighting uh, ISIS. But one second, so just using Assad as an example, he has a crazy balancing act because he has oh. a civil war going on against the rebels, right? Right. That's number one. And on the other side, he's got to fight off the radicals. Yes, but the radicals are part of the rebel uh, of the rebel forces trying to overthrow his government. But I, I, ISIS has always been part of that. They emerged out of that when Al Qaeda went down. They came up. I always thought the rebels were Shiite. They are. They are Shiite. Now, first of all, there are Sunnis who are fighting as well, and you have Kurds who are fighting, and you have Druze who are fighting. It's what I explained to you, that, that not, first of all, none of this breaks down into into neat parties. Like the Houthis that I mentioned, they are Zaydi Shiites who uh, who are, are being used. Uh, and, the, and by the way, groups have different names or merged with... Uh, uh, different names over time. Right, but just so I understand, so Sunni and Shiites in Syria who are at odds with each other and the rebels... Uh, are also can also both be fighting... Against, right, in other, words, uh, in other words, the rebels essentially came, right, were basically Sunni background, correct? Right. So they, excuse me, were Shiite background, right? Weren't the rebels of originally Shiite background? M- most of them were Shiite. Were Shiite background. had radical Sunni. So now anybody could become a radical. and Everybody. Some, right, anybody from any background could become a radical. And now Assad is is essentially fighting every enemy that has popped up in the last couple of years, whether it be... With the consistent support of Hezbollah. Right, whether it be a Shiite, standard rebel. Shiite, with the support of Iran, with the, uh, and against 
uh, all these Sunni groups, which is includes IS. But so it, it, it comes down. I'm, I, you know, it's so confusing. But it comes down to basically, you know, standardized governments against radical Islam. Is that what's basically like Iran? No. Iran is then why are they aligned with Syria? Why are Iran and Syria fighting the same enemy then? Well, but Iran has made a huge investment in uh, in Syria and sees it as the, an element of control for them because that's part of their goal to control the region. And it's the same reason why Turkey originally aligned with uh, was aligned with Assad and Syria because it served their goal. Even though they're, they're the Sunni, they want to be the Sunni leaders. The um, IS's method, for instance, is first to go into ethnic cleansing, right. then they do force everybody into this Islamist mode where, where in the whole the areas they control, for instance, you can't teach art, history, philosophy, nothing. Then they, they totally dominate uh, uh, the people. And they put, uh, and then they look for succession about how you, you take control over uh, ever-growing areas. They, they don't talk about the word Syria. You're not allowed to mention Syria. As if there's no state of Syria. Exactly, as if there is no state. That's exactly there's only an Islamic state. There, there and will it, be the caliphate, right? and that will be Which dominated is by their religious philosophy. Spreading through every Arab, and they would say Israeli, area of the Middle East. Spreading through every area, and, uh, and now we look at how many countries are facing this kind of, uh, uh, of uh, effort. So every government... One of the UAA officials said this in a speech the other day where he cited how many uh, countries he said they called for a unified effort against Iraq, Syria, Yemen, Libya, Somalia, Afghanistan, because these are all countries facing the, the rise of these uh, extremists. And then you have to think about how does it that IS is able to export oil, because it's one of their major sources of income. They control the Raqqa oil fields in Syria. They control oil production areas in Iraq. So Turkish officials, Syrian officials, others are cooperating with them in order to enable them to export this uh, this fuel, which is one of the things that has to be stopped if we want to really cut them off, is to go after their source of funding, though they have a, a, a lot of money and uh, uh, to, to be able to sustain themselves from all these kidnappings and stuff, yield big amounts of money. They're constantly collecting um, money from people to, to redeem those that they have captured. So behind closed doors are the leaders of Syria and Iran, and Iraq obviously, happy that the United States is ready to take on ISIS and is doing and, 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 is, and has already started you know, military operations against them. They don't want to see an American presence, and because they don't know where it leads, they don't know when it can be turned against them. It limits their ability to to operate in some instances uh, but again we have such a limited presence we're in the air not on the ground right, correct um, so it's it's a mixed uh, story about how much do they really fear um, uh, this but but the ramifications of it and the the very uncertainty is is part of the problem um, and and we're going to see it by the way in stuff that's going to take place to the UN, which we'll talk about with the Palestinians, but also in the war talk with Hamas again, we see it in manifested in so many secondary and tertiary ways that the the ramifications of this are are, are severe and lost. It's lost on the media. It's lost in the way that the issues are presented. When you watch network tell or any of the uh, of the news channels. 
they, they always have this map that shows you where ISIS has started to dominate. You know, the red lines that continue to grow right. throughout the region. I mean, how does one even keep track of where they are at this point? Because this, it's not like they have an address, right? It's not like they, it's not like they have an established, uh, location. They're not, they're not, you know, they're not a, uh, a, um, temporary government. Do they, uh, well, first of all, there are no boundaries. That is right, exactly. Basis. But, for instance, today there are no boundaries for Syria. Syria has no borders. So, the, so, the, so what do the red lines mean? It means areas that they've literally taken over. They have men sitting there and. This is where they control the boundaries of those areas. Uh, and remember that, uh, for instance, the Kurds have taken over a Syria into Iraq again. And don't forget they go into Iran and they go into other countries. And the question, of course, that will be, um, will be coming up is what happens with them. Do they get a state? Uh, their fighters seem to be the only ones who have the courage to really do something serious. And um, uh, so it's, it is a very murky thing. It's very hard to explain to people because right. we're not talking about what we traditionally... Oh, that's for sure. Yeah, it's, it's, is, a, ...is a state, etc. Yeah, it's not easy with a standard map. Um, so the, the leaders, the governments, the, the elected quote-unquote governments of Iran and Syria, how do they... How how are they um, preparing, you know, to defend themselves against complete takeover? I mean, aren't they must be very concerned that uh, that these rebels, ISIS, who have shown the world that they're willing to do anything to take control, are going to get completely out of hand and, and take over their government. They are very concerned that ISIS's goal, which is, and that's why they've moved from uh, ISIL, which is Iraq and Libya, ISIS, which is Iraq and Syria to IS, which is an Islamic State. And that's right. why some people, many people don't use the term because they don't acknowledge that there is, it exists or that that is, uh, that is a legitimate goal, which it is not. Um, but the countries, the established government, there isn't any. Lebanon, the fear is that Lebanon could be next, and the attack on Arsol on the border, which uh, was repelled, but it, one of the commanders said if we not succeeded, we would have been, they would have been on the coast, meaning the uh, IS would have been on the coast of, of the Mediterranean in, in Lebanon. So you, you have uh, a Jordan being on the, uh, really on the chopping block, according to most estimates, as the primary uh, potential target for all of this. You have, uh, as I said, as far as Yemen and, and many other countries where, which will, will come under uh, the gun. We know that in the Central Asian Muslim countries are very much afraid of uh, of what they will do, so um, I think that that any question is a legitimate one when it comes to this stuff because you have even within the groups within the Sunni within right. Shiites you have the battles that are going on right. uh, between them, and uh, and there's also concerns, for instance, of IS being attractive to to Israeli Arabs. Oh my gosh! It, it, just give me a second. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world on the web, jmnam.org. But that shouldn't surprise anybody, and I, I just caught myself. Why should it surprise me? Look at the recruiting job they're doing around the entire globe with kids from democratic countries. And by the way, that seems to be, unless it's just an impression from the media, that seems to be the difference between them and what al-Qaeda was at the beginning. The recruiting seems to be much more broad, and they're attracting people from everywhere. It is true, and they have more resources, uh, it seems. But remember, 
that ISIS is an outgrowth of al-Qaeda. It was rebranded right. in 2006 as the Islamic State in Iraq. And right, but they're doing, Iraq, Al-Qaeda, it, they're doing al-Qaeda better than al-Qaeda. Pardon me? They're doing al-Qaeda better than al-Qaeda. They do al-Qaeda much better, much more radical, more extreme. Al-Qaeda didn't necessarily look to take over territory. These guys are much more territorially uh, oriented. And remember that al-Qaeda at that time changed its name only to the Islamic State in Iraq. Right. And then that grew to Islamic State in Iraq and Syria, Islamic State in Lebanon, etc. Right. And they exploit the, the um, feeling amongst many Sunnis that they were being persecuted by the Shiite uh, government of Maliki and in, in Iraq's case. And, they, um, uh, and that's why, of course, they, they fought in, in, in Syria. So they exploit the feelings of the Sunnis. They make themselves the defenders of, of uh, Sunni, which is the majority in, in Islam, and are able to recruit on that basis. And, and fundamentally, and if you remember, as soon as this thing broke out, the Islamic, uh, the spring, the Arab spring, as they called it, the Arab volcano, mm-hmm. they said you will never understand this if you don't see it as the divide between Sunnis and Shiites. Right. This is a thousand-year-old battle amongst right. several other factions. That's the only thing that's becoming a little more clearer to me. Um, and, it, it, and, they, and they have an endless recruiting ground of Sunnis, and that's why they can recruit in Paris. They can recruit everywhere. Right. The common fight. Um, no other administration would have handled it differently. Right? I mean, standard administrations. For instance, you know, if the Republicans were in the White House, I mean, nobody would have would have done anything different. I mean, many know that. Uh, you know, many have pointed out that President Obama ran on you know leaving Iraq and leaving the area, letting the troops come home and all that. But th- there's no choice at this point, no matter who's in the White House, right? Well, this is not a Republican-Democrat issue. This is not Congress or, or, or uh, administration. This started 20 years ago. It was ignored too often, both in terms specifically of Iran, for instance, or the growth of, of terrorist organizations, or the way the Europeans have failed within their own borders. And we face the threat now within a, And you see the numbers that are coming out that I warned about for the last two years on the show, talking about how many Europeans are fighting there, how many people right. are, who, who are coming back, and some of whom have already come back. And when they took Fallujah in January, which is just west of Baghdad, we could have worked together with the tribal leaders. We could have um, uh, taken away the, the, the air supply from them, so they go after their Sunni brothers and sisters. And the West allowed them to put their black flag over this that could have been that should have been the line in the sand we should have stopped them then and and they just and we could have cut off their supply routes from syria we could have done with many, much more minimal actions but they're 10 times where the number they were last year for sure and that was 10 times where they were the year before yeah uh, the, the the threat is so great the united states has no choice again emphasizing i i, I believe no matter who is uh, in the white house um what do you think of this uh, proposal that came out of Egypt that the PA should have its own state in the Sinai Desert? Nobody is substantiating that it's true. So I, I, when there's no follow-up, and it's uh, it's not going to happen. They, they were saying that you extend Gaza into the Sinai. Right. would have given them, I forgot how many, 365,000 square meters. That's a lot of land, right? It's a sig- very significant amount of land, uh, but it's, it was a non-starter, I think, from, uh, from the beginning. But and- but again, nobody is is really claiming credit or saying that that it was uh, legitimate. But we're seeing also in the Sinai the same uh, fights, by the way, and the reports of the presence of IS there. Uh, I think that uh, CC has done a, a very good job in trying to to contain it. 
but uh, we see that the presence is is everywhere. Uh, and the prime minister's reaction to what's going on, I'm assuming he's 100 percent behind whatever coalition is fighting ISIS, right? And and you know, and Israel's providing uh, satellite photos and other intelligence. Israel's satellites go over a place like Iraq in a different from different angles, and they're able to present different information. They also have higher resolution in some places, so. Israel is able to um, provide information to the United States and its allies. Uh, it's scrubbed of any identification from Israel, so nobody should uh, accuse it. But, um, yes, Israel is very worried, and they're worried also because we see renewed talk of, of uh, violence from Hamas. Right. The uh, escalating uh, rhetoric is always taken uh, seriously. The, the milit- so-called military wing of Hamas said, that if uh, there's no change by September 25th, I think that rockets would again fly, and uh, there's no reconstruction really going on in, in Gaza, and they have not paid the Hamas salaries. Uh, and Abbas is saying that he will split and break up the, the unity regime, and um, it, it'll be very interesting to see if uh, what, what will happen in the next couple of days. What we have seen is that although the you know, rockets stop flying. The violence in Israel, especially in Jerusalem, is is much more severe. It's it's probably at, a, at one of the highest uh, numbers of incidents, rock throwing, other things, Molotov uh, cocktails that we've seen in a in a long time. Yeah. Well. And then, of course, the situation in the north, where Israel is looking for tunnels. There was reports of cement trucks in inordinate numbers being in certain regions. So Israel learned its lesson from uh, Gaza. To, to check it out and to see that uh, that they're not being leading, although the topography is, is different there. There was actually a rocket up north yesterday, right, Kira Shimona, I think it was? It was a false alarm. Oh, it was not a real uh, hit? It was not a real, it was a false alarm. Um, all right, we wanted to discuss the United Nations. It's coming up, and you, and you alluded to not just ISIS, but that the uh, PA, it sounds like, from uh, what you said earlier, is going to be involved in something as well. What's going on? ISIS will be a major subject and will divert attention, which is adding to the frustrations of Abbas. I think that, you know, this issue that the war is over and nobody's paying attention um, because uh, of the other issues that are um, are at the forefront. And he is threatening now uh, several things. One is that they go to the International Criminal Court. They said if there's no progress, and he wants Israel to begin negotiating on the borders first, before security, before everything else. And as you know, that was not the order that was agreed upon, and that was not the way it was to be done. Uh, but he is trying to force the issue, uh, we believe, because he wants the talks to break down. He does not want mm-hmm. Kerry to mediate the talks over the United States. He wants the U.N., because he doesn't want to negotiate. He wants things delivered. And he, they, they are threatening a worldwide campaign, which we, you know will feed into the delegitimization efforts and the anti-Israel manifestations, uh, as they said, they want to paint it like South Africa and isolate it like uh, South Africa was. That, that will not happen. But they could create uh, bosses supposedly coming to the U.N. General Assembly. And from what I heard from even Arab ambassadors, they're expecting it will uh, launch anything that then they will go with the um, uh, crime, uh, you know, war crimes charges. Uh, against Israel at the international court. I know that a lot of people, uh, well, as you just described, Abbas, and I'm sure others are frustrated that the Secretary of State is preoccupied with ISIS, but I don't know, that could, that could be a good thing for Israel, right? Yeah, Israel, <laughs> there's nothing, there's no one to negotiate with Abbas. Right. 
if you look at the latest polls, does not enjoy a majority. Hamas beats Fatah and, and Ania beats uh, Abbas with 61%, so it's essentially two to one. Uh, and so since the Gulf War, it's not a good sign, but it's, it's certainly a reality that uh, Abbas has very limited power and, and his ability to deliver is questionable, but also his willingness to really sit down and negotiate seriously. Perhaps the split with uh, with uh, Hamas will um, will escalate that, but uh, right now it's certainly at best a very murky situation. But there, and and then he avoids the negotiations and the demands on him to make concession. And the United States has warned him against making any kind of unilateral move and, and said it would cut off funding. Congress has warned him. The administration has been very strong on this mm. in their messages to him, uh, and yet. He's always put his interests above that of the, his people and the the political maneuverings, uh, which we may see again. Yeah, you mentioned uh, you always told us about Al Qaeda and, and terror allies that it had both you know in Africa, South America, etc. I'd assume just based on the discussion we had regarding the you know the volume of uh, you know, the number of people, the volume of. Uh, of um, of uh, adherents that are uh, helping out uh, and, and joining uh, ISIS, that that's still the case, that they have uh, terror allies in both of those continents. They have in both the continents. And by the way, uh, ISIS uh, is mobilizing the Sunnis in, in the West Bank, too. There's belief that, you know, that they have attracted support. And, of course, as I said before, Jordan is, is a major uh, concern. And the U.S. has uh, tried to uh, bolster the king, as is Israel, even more importantly, perhaps in some regards, as a neighbor. But the, uh, you know, the revulsion that one would have thought would greet all of this, and, and we see it amongst the American people, who have inverted the numbers from last year about the readiness to support action against, uh, against ISIS, against Syria, for U.S. bombing involvements. I don't think they want to see in, uh, troops on the ground in the same way as before. But the very fact that those numbers have literally inverted from uh, 60% now support and 13% are against military action, yeah. uh, I think is, is a reflection that, they, that the Americans get it. We don't see the same kind of reaction in Europe. We don't see it in the rest of the world. And I know I keep going back to this, but it's just so hard to keep track of the coalitions. So Hamas, who's always been aligned with, with formal Iran, right, with the, with the real government, so to speak, in Iran, and we've always said that they are a proxy, that Iran controls what, what goes on in Gaza, for instance. So they are considered an ISIS ally or not? Uh, Hamas is not ISIS, but, uh, but Hamas is, uh, is also Sunni, and they, and you see how a Shiite Iran can support Sunni Hamas if it serves their purposes. Right. They split over the fact that Hamas did not support Assad uh, when he uh, went into the Palestinian camps in Syria. They came out and were critical and divided with him. So Iran punished them by cutting back on some of the funding, but they're, they are now claiming that they are doing all this training and helping them to, to rearm and threatening that they will arm also people in the West Bank. So the divides are crossed when it serves their purposes. And you also have to look at the tribal divisions. You have to look at other factors that uh, uh, characterize the, the legitimate, the, the loyalties of people, uh, which can cross very many barriers and, and divide and unite them at the same time. Uh, and finally, and I'll give you the last word. <clears throat> I'm sure there's a million things we didn't get to, <clears throat> but Russia. Uh, Russia looks on 
And we, you know, again, as casual observers, not me as a casual observer of this entire scene, wonders what they think of the ISIS infiltration in that area of the world. What is the Putin reaction to all of this? Well, as you know, he's been backing Assad, and he is very much against ISIS because of the threat in Chechnya, and you have hundreds of Chechnyans fighting in Syria. Uh, the um, uh, Chechnyans, by the way, uh, are in Ukraine as mercenaries, and have been involved in some of the demonstrations against the government. Just an aside, um, the, so uh, for Putin, who has a very, very large Muslim population and who are very prominent within the military, is very concerned about Islamist fundamentalism. He killed tens of thousands of people in Chechnya over it. So the, the, uh, for him, this is a very serious issue as well. But it's also part of his standoff against the West, standoff against the United States. It's related to what happens, obviously, in the Ukraine, what happens in other parts of, of the region. Other countries are afraid now of, of incidents. You know, you have this kidnapping, I think it was an Estonian, uh, and the people are demanding that they, they return him. It's, it, you know, he's taking advantage on the one hand of this. It's not benefiting Russia. It's not going to help them. They need stability helps them as well. But the uh, but he is uh, he has thrown his lot in with them. You know you know what yesterday was, and the new poll says that Americans feel less safe now than any other time since nine eleven. You think there's reason to feel that way? I do, and uh, without creating panic and without people saying that this is extreme. And believe me, if you knew other things that I would tell people about what goes on, what's happening in in. Um, some of the European countries, and you saw that Greece, by the way, enacted legislation against Holocaust denial and against hate speech with very strong penalties. This is to fight the neo-Nazi uh, Golden Dawn Party there, which has more and more been public. And you see in Europe the Quenelle, the, the swastika-like symbols. Um, Michael Gove, who was the former Minister of Education, he's a British conservative uh, leader, uh, he said that the boycott of Israeli goods as practiced in Europe is anti-Semitism. It's a new anti-Semitism. Right. And he talked about a five-fold increase of anti-Semitic incidents in, the, in Great Britain alone. France more than doubled over the summer the number of incidents, and you know it wasn't small before. So if people say, are they concerned? Are they concerned about hundreds, if not thousands, of people coming back to, to live with European and American passports who are trained killers? who have been indoctrinated in this terrible hatred. It is certainly something that everyone should be aware of and be concerned. But I think the irony is that someone just showed me that 366 Syrians have made it to Israel to be treated. A young boy bicycled from Damascus in very serious condition in the end to to get treated in Israel. The Irish troops were rescued Unifil troops, UN troops in Lebanon, were rescued because Israel intervened, you know, gave them cover with fire and also directed them how to get out. When the Fiji guys were released, they raced to the border with Israel to get out. So I think that, you know, the irony of some of these moves in, at the time when uh, they were all dumping on Israel and how quick they are to, to attack Israel and criticize Israel, today it's the safest place for an Arab in the Middle East. Unbelievable. Safest place for a Christian in the Middle East, and in many cases, safest place for a Muslim in the Middle East is Israel. Unbelievable. 
And let us not forget, those, again, coming off of yesterday, a lot of people like to criticize. And may, maybe I'm just getting more mature <laughs> in my old age. A lot of people like to point to Washington and talk about the differences between the U.S. and Israel, the cooperation that you mentioned in this conversation, whether it's the intelligence images, the satellite photos, uh, the funding, whatever it is, we should continue to remember who our friends are out there, no matter who's in the White House. And we also should not allow the issue of Iran, the very fact that we've had this discussion and I thought myself that we have not really talked about Iran. You asked about Russia. The right. trade minister of Russia was in Iran yesterday and talked about a tenfold increase in trade in the next two years just between Russia and, and Iran, meaning that they go against the sanctions. That the IEA, uh, the, uh, the European Three, rather, are to, to meet with uh, uh, Iran this week, this coming week in Vienna without the U.S. And. Um, and we see the reports that they may be able to join the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. So as much as we're working to try and isolate them, and we saw new sanctions um, that were announced, uh, and by the way, new sanctions against Russia that were announced, which will create even more animosity and more of a reaction by uh, 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 Putin in any area that he feels uh, serves his purpose. He doesn't care. He he only pursues his... uh, uh, his own thing. Rahani is going to come to the United States for the UN uh, sessions now, and we're we're going to see what happens, how he's received again, and how he's going to be treated as the quote moderate, though he executes more people. Uh, <laughs> but we're running quickly to the deadline of November twenty fourth. That's people right. Shouldn't lose sight that this still remains a major threat in the area. Big deadlines coming up. Things are getting exciting. Next week, the final weekly update of five seven. Seven four, Mr. Holmline, have a wonderful Shabbos. Have a good Shabbos. Uh, 21 minutes after the hour, JM in the AM, this time each and every Friday, every era of Shabbos, with great pleasure we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Pashas Kisavo. According to the Chinuch, Prashas Kisavo contains six mitzvos, three positive and three restrictions. The opening mitzvah of Parshas Kisavo is a fascinating one. The Torah has already taught us in Parshas Mishpatim, Rashis Bikure Ad Moscha Tovi Beis Hashem Elokecha, that the Jew is to bring first fruits to the Beis HaMikdash each and every year. Now, which first fruits? So the rabbis learn, based upon Xerah Shava, that the seven species that the Torah praises, the land of Israel, in the fifth book, chapter 8, Pasuk 8, Ereschita Usaora, the land of extolled for its wheat and barley, grapes, figs and pomegranates, olives and dates. These seven species a person is to bring the first of these fruits to the Beis HaMikdash. That we are taught in Parshas Mishpatim. The opening mitzvah of Parshas Kisavo is that in addition to bringing them and giving it to the Kohen on duty, the Jew is to recite 
a special recitation, and this recitation in of itself is a biblical mitzvah. You'll note, number one, that the recitation is a little bit more familiar to us, beginning with the words, Arami Ovedavi, because the text of this recitation serves as an integral part of the Haggadah Shal Pesach, that on the night that we celebrate our freedom and exodus from Egypt, we recite and explain each and every phrase of these psukim, because indeed there are six verses in this recitation. It's interesting to note that it is only the last two verses that speak about, thank you Hashem for bringing me to the land, thank you Hashem for giving me the fruit. And now I have brought this fruit to your Mikdash. The first four verses in this recitation are a summarization of Jewish history that Yaakov was unfortunately tormented by his father-in-law, Lavan, and he comes down to Egypt with a small family. There in Egypt, they become a large nation. How the Egyptians persecuted us and placed Avodah Kasha upon us. How we cried to God, who listened to us, heard our affliction and our pain. Hashem took us out of Egypt with a strong hand and an outstretched arm, with signs and wonders, and He brought us to this land flowing with milk and honey. After four psukim, then He says, Oh yes, thank you for the first fruit. My question is obvious. Why does the recitation include a summarization of our historical past? And I believe an answer can certainly be found in the Rambam, in his More Nevuchim, his Guide for the Perplexed, in Book 3, Chapter 43. There the Rambam tells us the very important principle that we utilize on the night of the Pesach Seder, that when you praise Hashem, Maschil Bignus Umesayim Bishvach, you begin with the degradation. You begin by noting how bad it was. And then you end with the contrast and you appreciate what you have now in lieu of where you've come from. And this is a very interesting aspect and insight into human nature. And therefore, on the night of the Pesach Seder, it's not enough to eat the matzah, but we have to eat the maror to remind us of the bitterness and through tasting of what it was like in the desert. Namely, that in the desert it is most challenging to subsist. It is especially difficult and therefore we appreciate living 
as we do, and especially ideally, in the land of Israel, when you realize from where He took us, namely the desert. And so, what we're being taught is that man should always remember the days of his stress, challenge, and deprivation at the time of his prosperity, so that his gratitude to Hashem, his Hakoras Hatov to God, should become especially great, and in addition, he'll achieve humility and submission to Hashem. And so, we don't just begin with thank you for the first fruit, but we appreciate where we have come from. Now, this is true regarding the farmer who brought his first fruits, but lest anybody say, wait a minute, how does this apply to me? Most of us are not farmers. There is a very powerful lesson which is contained herein. And that is as follows. We are now more than halfway into Chodesh Elul. Chodesh Elul, the month before Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, is the time for Cheshbon and Efesh is the time for a proper introspection, preparing us for, please God, the High Holy Days. And therefore, the Jew has to look very carefully, and just as when he recited when he was a farmer, and Rashi tells us at the very beginning of the Omarta, a love, you are to say to the Kohen, as you begin the recitation, you are not an ingrate, but you appreciate the good which God has given us. All of us are preparing, please God, for that recitation, starting on the first night of Rosh Hashanah. We're going to add to the Shemona Esrei, Zachreinu L'chaim, God, please remember us for life. Now, can we truly ask for life and say, Hashem, please extend us and give us more if unfortunately we might have abused the privilege of what He has given us? If we have not appreciated what He has given me in the past, how can I ask for more if unfortunately it's going to be more of the same? I don't believe that we are asking for give me life of eat, drink, and be merry. We're asking for life of lamancha that we can, please God, utilize this life in your service. Give us life that we can get closer to you, that we can enhance society,
that we can fulfill the last mitzvah in this week's parasha of the Holachto Bidrachov, literally to walk in the ways of God and to emulate the characteristics that have been clearly articulated by God Himself that we could and should appreciate. And therefore, as the rabbis tell us, Mahurachum, Mahuchanun, as He is compassionate and merciful and kind, so too we are to be that way. And if we have utilized the life that He's given us in the past for these merits, if we have utilized it to serve Him, if we have utilized it to study His Torah, if we have utilized it to become better people, wonderful, then we have the right to ask, Hashem, Zachreinu Lachayim, give us more of the same, and extend it, and increase it. And therefore, this concept of Hakoras HaTov, recognizing the good that God has given us is such an important prerequisite for the forthcoming Yom Neroyim. And ultimately, HaKoras HaTov goes not just for the big things, but for the small things in life as well. You'll recall, going back to Parshas when Rachel Imenu, who let's not forget for a moment, is one of the Nevios. She is a prophetess. She knows that Yaakov is building the Jewish nation. She knows what a privilege it is to have a child with Yaakov. She knows what it is that her child especially is going to be the one to literally topple Esav. And so what does she say when she has her first child? She says, Osaf Elokim Escherposi. Literally, that God has taken away my disgrace. So Rashi says, first of all, heretofore I was an Akara barren, having no children, and therefore, what? This has now been disgrace, removed from me. However, listen to the Medrash Agadah, and how do we understand this? Says the Medrash, Rashi cites, this is in chapter 30, verse... 23, says Rashi, Unbelievable. As long as a woman doesn't have a child, She has no one to literally attribute and to explain away and to say all the wrongs were done by the child. But now that she's got a child, she can attribute all this to him. For example, Mi Shavar Okay? Husband comes home and says, Oh my goodness, who broke this? If she has no child, she can't say the child, your child. Now she can say, Bincha. Who ate these figs? Bincha. This is what Rachel Imenu is saying. Wow, now I have an alibi. How are we to understand this Medrash? 
And the answer, I think, is so powerful. Of course, Rachel Imenu understood the incredible significance of having Yosef and having a child and being part of Klal Yisrael, the perpetuation of the Jewish nation. She saw all this. But at the same time, rather than forget the small things, even the small things as well, she did not forget. We have so much to be thankful for to Hashem. And that's what the parsha of Bikurim teaches us. She'encha kofui tov. We appreciate the big things and the small things that Hashem has given us. And the more we appreciate, the more we utilize God's gift of life in the proper way, the more we are able to please God on the forthcoming Yamanurayim. Say, God, please renew the gift. Zochreinu Lechayim. Shabbat Shalom to all.
Hashem. Yes, amazing selection. Hashkifa, words from this week's Parsha. 19 minutes before eight o'clock, before 9 o'clock on this uh, Erev Shabbos at JM in the AM. Uh, Matis English from Israel. Matis uh, hosts JM Sunday from 7 until 9 a.m. every single Sunday morning, and I thank him for that. 63 degrees, mostly sunny. JM in the AM is followed by Naomi Nachman and Table for Two. Comes up at 9 o'clock this morning on jmtheam.org, on the NSN app, whatever method you want to use to listen. She speaks today with Shifra Klein, editor of Joy of Kosher with Jamie Geller. And uh, I'm sure they'll talk about Rosh Hashanah and probably a whole bunch of other stuff. Community fairs supporting southern Israel continue this Sunday at the Hafter Middle School on Central Avenue in Lawrence, Monday at the Kingsway Jewish Center on Nostrand Avenue in Brooklyn. Community fairs supporting southern Israel help support some of the vendors from the south. Head on over to one of those locations over the weekend. Congregation of Tzedek, in uh, conjunction with the OU Singles Connection and North Shore LIJ, invite you to a singles mix and mingle, an evening of chesed, this Sunday for singles 35 through 49. Enjoy an interactive evening of organized table talk with a delicious dinner buffet while preparing Rosh Hashanah packages for hospital patients. Happens at OF Tzedek on West 95th Street, 6 p.m. this coming Sunday. Information OZNY.org, OZNY.org. The Alumni Association of YCQ, the Yeshiva of Central Queens, invites everybody to the Schmooze Live on the topic of Tshuva, a fresh new start this Sunday, 6.30 p.m. at YCQ on 70th Road in Queens, New York. Phone number 718-793-8500, 718-793-8500. Reminder that Shalom Task Force has an event this coming Sunday at 7 p.m. The Shalom Workshop presents an evening of making good marriages great long after the wedding is over. Uh, information, it's, uh, this is a Washington Heights event, a Washington Heights event for this coming Sunday. Information at, uh, shalomworkshop.org. Again, that's shalomworkshop.org. Brissav Rum Dinner happens this coming Sunday, honoring Rabbi Yisrael Mayor Lau, 35th annual dinner in the 29th year of the Gala Weddings. Brissav Rum Dinner is this coming Sunday night with Sandy Shmueli, the special guest performer. Information at 908 908- Two eight nine zero seven seven zero nine zero eight two eight nine zero seven seven zero. The Livingston community has their uh, Shabbat Israel going on this Shabbat, and uh, that includes on Saturday night Benny Friedman tomorrow night at nine thirty p.m. in a special Kumsitz in concert at Eight Chaim Lafayette Drive in Livingston, New Jersey. ShabbatIsrael.com for information. ShabbatIsrael.com. The Young Israel of Kew Gardens Hills has their Malava Malka to benefit the community of Ali. That's happening tomorrow night with Miriam Peretz, the amazing lady who lost two sons who are officers in Sayeret Golani and has a best-selling book, Shirat Miriam. Uh, you'll also hear from the mayor of Ailey. Information, you want to speak with the Rice Schoenfeld at the Young Israel of Kew Gardens Hills at 718-261-9723, 718-261-9723. Achi, 
American Communities Helping Israel have two events on Sunday. They're called the Kli events, where they're asking people to buy a uh, Judaic Israeli vessel and keep it filled with Israeli products in your home. Sunday from 1 until 4 p.m. at the Inspiration Gallery on North Avenue in New Rochelle. And Sunday from 1 to 4 p.m. at Gift World Judaica and Candy Castle on Main Street in Kew Gardens Hills. Achi613.org for information. Achi613.org for all the information. I want to wish a mazel tov to the Cooperman, Rosen, and Schwartz families. Um, the wedding of um, Hallie and Jonathan is taking place in Columbus, Ohio, this weekend. And um, the Coopermans, Harris, uh, Rabbi Harris and Debbie, are my cousins out there in Phoenix, Arizona. I assume they're all flying out to Ohio to be part of the big event. want to wish them a very special mazel tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. And finally, don't forget that the Israel Real Estate Exhibition is this Sunday and Monday in New York City. The Israel Real Estate Exhibition is this Sunday and Monday in New York City, Sunday from 11 a.m. until 6 p.m., and Monday from 3 p.m. until 7 p.m. at the Grand Hyatt New York Hotel on East 42nd Street in New York. Um, information. Do we have an information line on that? Um, we do. We do have... We do have an information line, 718-338-6537 for the Israel Real Estate Exhibition. Again, Sunday 11 until 6, Monday 3 until 7 at the Grand Hyatt. 718-338-6537, 718-338-6537 for information. More coming up 13 minutes before 9 o'clock. Erev Shabbos at JM in the AM.
From this week's parsha, that's Baruch Levine Hashkifa here on a uh, Friday morning Erev Shabbos. Title track to one of his uh, great CDs. <laughs> it's funny on the NSN app comments section, this has become an issue whether we announce candle lighting time in Jerusalem or not. Uh, there's no argument, says one reader, or I should say one listener. When announcing Jerusalem, just announce both times. All right, so we're at candle lighting time here is 6.51, Jerusalem is 6.09, which is 11.09 in the morning here. So anybody wants to call Jerusalem, get it done by 11.09. All right? Should we be announcing all those times? Who knows? I guess we'll figure it out at some point. I want to thank all the other people who are commenting on the app. Primetime Parent, who's been a big commenter over the last few weeks. She says, looking forward to Naomi Nachman. I know it's a she because I met her. Looking forward to Naomi Nachman's show with the Schiffer Klein and Joy of Kosher, Rosh Hashanah Meals, and more. I'll be listening on the NSN app from Dunkin' Donuts in Queens. All right. <laughs> um, so thank you. And anybody who wants to comment at any point, obviously you could just use the comment section of the NSN app. Naomi Nachman is coming up next with Schiffer Klein of Joy of Kosher with Jamie Geller. That'll be happening on our stream at jmnam.org. ZK tells me that the video is already up. So if you want to watch the show, just go to nachomsegal.com. You can actually watch the show once we wrap up over here. Uh, Avrami tomorrow night at 10 p.m. Eastern time on the stream. And, of course, Matis with JM Sunday uh, with a couple of nice Rosh Hashanah features uh, coming up um, this coming uh, Sunday between 7 and 9 a.m. on the stream here at jmnam.org. Time to say good job. It's with Journeys at jmnam.org. Amen. 
Nachim of Israel and Nachim Achem, our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Naomi Nachman next, table for two, and uh, the video will be up at NachumSiegel.com right now. You can check it out to uh, actually see the show. Not just hear the show, and of course, uh, great weekend programming of Rummy tomorrow night and JM Sunday with Matis happens at 7 a.m. Eastern Time this coming Sunday morning. Monday, I am back here at JM the AM. It does not look like Itzy Bold's going to be debuting his CD next week on our airwaves, but at some point shortly afterward, there's Rata Shem. And of course, don't forget, Thursday will be at Cedar Market for our pre-Rosh Hashanah New Year's celebration with Simcha Liner, our entitled bomb orchestra. Make sure to be with us. Thursday in Teaneck. And if you're not there, then certainly tune in for all the great live music. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend. Until Monday, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.